You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode 75. As a food blogger, I can almost guarantee that one of your goals is to increase your traffic. Often we think about getting new users to your website, but what about the ones that are already visiting? How do we get them to click around more and increase pages per visit? With a few small tweaks to your blog post process, you may find that you're able to increase your page views by getting your readers to click around more. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Vine Podcast. I feel like it has been an entire year since I have been able to sit down and record an episode. To be honest, I did not plan to take the hiatus that I ended up taking from recording podcasts, but to be honest, life happened and client work really became such a huge priority. We also have been working hard on onboarding a new team member and really the podcast just became something that I knew was important, but I knew I needed to be able to do well and focus on. And so it ultimately became one of those things that I had to let go of for a short time in order to focus on other things and get those things stabilized so that I could bring my best a game to the podcast again. And so I'm really, really excited to finally have that support on our team and just be ready to dive headfirst back into podcast content. There have been a lot of you who have checked in to make sure that everything is okay. And yes, everything is okay, but this was one of those things that I just needed to do in order to just protect my mental health and protect my business and my family life and that balance. And so I appreciate those of you who have checked in and really I'm just so excited to jump back in. Now, if you are brand new to the show, you may not have even noticed that we took a little bit of a break. And if you are brand new to the show, I am so glad that you have tuned in for this episode. I like to start every episode off just reintroducing myself because I know for so many podcast listeners, you may have just found this podcast randomly and you're not really sure what it's all about. My name is Madison Wetherill and I am a web designer for food bloggers. My business is Grace and Vine Studios and we have been serving exclusively food bloggers for the last handful of years and I've been doing this business full time for the last six Now, one of the things I'm really passionate about in what I do for my clients is that I really focus on strategy and how that can intersect with design. There are unfortunately so many designs out there that are just pretty, but there is not a lot of strategy behind it. And I truly believe that as a food blogger, you need to have both a beautiful and strategic website that can reach more readers and really help to convert those readers into raving fans that will ultimately help you grow a business that serves you and serves your family and can ultimately create the life that you want. 
If you are ever interested in learning how you can work with us, you can head over to graceandvinestudios.com and you can click on the services tab to see our different offerings. We primarily serve our clients through a custom website package, branding, and then our signature designer for a day package where we go in and fix up all of those band-aids and things that have been piling up on your site to get it running smoother and faster and make it look better. If you are interested in working with us in one of these capacities, I would highly recommend checking out our available dates and reaching out as soon as possible. We are booking up for the rest of the year very quickly, but we are really excited that with some of the changes we have made within the business, we have been able to increase our capacity and really be able to serve more clients, but at the same level that we are known for in the industry. So if you're interested in working together or finding out what it would look like to build a custom website for you, we would love to meet you and get an idea of what you are looking for to see if you would be a good fit to work with us. So please reach out via our website. Again, that's graceandvinestudios.com and you can click the services tab to learn more. So today I want to dive into this topic of how you can increase the pages per visit and really start to figure out how to get your readers to access more pages on your website. Now this is really important for two different reasons. One that might be the most obvious is that it really will help you to increase your page views. If you're running ads that will help you to increase your revenue by getting more people onto more pages, this also helps signal to Google that this is a good website. Now, it used to be that the dwell time on a page or on a site was really a ranking factor. And as far as I know, again, I'm not an SEO expert, but as far as I know, that's not really a ranking signal anymore. However, I do believe that by having a user stay on your website longer and click around more rather than going right back to the Google search result, you are signaling that this is a good site and that Google should pay attention to that. So that is a benefit to you as well. This also really has a benefit for your reader. Now, even if your reader clicks around your site and decides that the site is not for them and they leave, there is still a benefit to them because they're not going to waste time on your website looking for content that is not there or is not really what they're looking for. Now, on the other side, if they find more content that you really like, then they're going to start to realize that this is a site that is for them, especially if you have followed my advice on really coming up with your brand messaging and infusing that into your website in different places. It's going to be very obvious to the right reader that this site is for them and that you built it in a way to make it easy to find more content. So how do we do this? We know that it is important to get people to click around more and to access more pages. And I can say, in working with so many different clients over the last couple of years, this is one of the number one goals for people when they redesign their website. For a lot of you who have had your blog for years and years, I'm talking five, 10, even sometimes 15 years, sometimes you have so much amazing content, but it is buried pages and pages into your blog. And so redesigning your blog in a way where we're really thinking about how to strategically organize your content can be really a great way to get your readers to naturally just click around more. And this again has been a goal of many of my clients, especially those that have anywhere over three to 400 posts. I have worked with clients that have anywhere from 900 to 1500 blog posts. And when you have that much content, you really have to get in the head of your reader to figure out what it is that they're looking for so that you can organize your website in a way where they're able to find that content. So that's our first point for this exercise of figuring out how to increase pages per visit. You need to get in the head of your reader. 
First, you might want to ask yourself, why did they come to this recipe in the first place? Now, I know you might just be thinking, well, they Googled something and they landed on my site. And that might be true, but I want you to think one step beyond that. Why were they Googling in the first place? I have said this many times, but your reader is not struggling to find recipes. You can find recipes anywhere online these days. And so the reason that they were in Google looking for a recipe was not because they didn't have any inspiration and they were just trying to find something. Often they are looking for those specific keywords for a specific reason. So if you have dietary content on your blog, for example, maybe they are new to this diet or maybe they are serving somebody a meal and they need to figure out how to make it gluten-free. Maybe they are looking for a quick 20-minute dinner that they can prep before they go to work so that when they come home from soccer practice, they can feed their kids really quick and get them off to bed. You really need to figure out what it is that your reader is really looking for because they are not just looking for your recipe. They're not just looking for something that is face value. There's really reason behind it. And the more you can get in the head of your reader and really figure that out, the better you're going to be able to suggest additional content to them that they might be interested in. So one way that you could really figure this out is to look at maybe three to five of your most popular blog posts and then really think about why someone would be searching for that. Now, I know sometimes when you are thinking about keywords and how people land on your site, you're really looking at the top level, the ones that are going to have the most search volume, but it might be interesting to look at some of the lower search volume items that people are searching and ending up on your post. It's going to be a smaller sample size of people, but it may help you to start understanding why people are searching for that recipe in particular. And that may even help you to figure out why they clicked on your search result and not someone else's. So once you've gotten an idea of why someone might have come to your blog looking for this recipe in the first place, you can start to think about what else they might need. This is a really great way to just start to paint the picture of what else they might need to complete their meal or to complete their experience as they're browsing around on your site. So you can think about what other recipes they might need to complete their meal. So maybe that's adding a salad to the recipe or a dessert. Maybe you might think about what ingredients they might have left over from the recipe that they might need to use, especially if your recipe calls for a very little amount of a specialty ingredient or something that would not be very commonly used. Make a suggestion in the post of how they can use the rest of that ingredient, especially if it's something like produce that might go bad quickly. This is a perfect way to really round up some of your related recipes or recipes from other bloggers that can help them to start to trust you as a resource. This isn't necessarily about getting them to click to other content. It isn't about being clickbaity in the way that you are describing recipes, but it's really about creating trust with your reader. It's about saying, I see you. I understand why you're making this recipe. Here's something that might help you as well. Once you have a few ideas of what type of related posts you want to share within your blog post, you want to make it as easy as possible for your readers to find those related posts or links. So a few tips for how you can make those really easy to find. You want to put them as close to the recipe card as possible. If you can link them within the recipe card, like in the notes section or something like that, even better, but really you want to make them obvious for your reader to find either right above or right below the recipe card. 
We want to really think about your user's intent when they're using your website. We all know that they are trying to get to that recipe card as fast as they possibly can because they're busy people. They need to get to the recipe card so they can see if they have the ingredients to make this recipe, if they have the time to make this recipe, or if it looks good. And so by linking to related posts really close to the recipe card, you increase your chances of people seeing it and clicking to those other recipes. And this is where it's so important to make this very contextual and really make it something that your reader needs. You might find that they are going to your recipe and they decide that it's not a good fit for whatever reason, but maybe you have another post linked right above your recipe card that they might be more interested in and they'll click over and make that one instead. We really just have to get beyond the thought that the most important thing is getting the reader to make the recipe because there are so many instances where the recipe is not a good fit for that person, for the time that they have to make it, for their lifestyle, whatever it is. And so having other options that make sense and are helpful to your reader ultimately is going to make you that trusted resource that they're going to turn to when they need another recipe. Now, the other part of this is that if they see your recipe card and it's not a recipe that's going to work for them, and then they look at your related posts and it's also not going to work for them, they're going to quickly realize that your site is not right for them. If I am looking for vegan recipes and I somehow end up landing on a blog that is full of, you know, meat lovers recipes, then I'm going to know that that recipe is not for me and neither is this blog. And I'm not going to waste my time by being on that site for longer than I need to because it's not a good fit for me. And again, I really think we have to get beyond this idea of just needing more and more and more traffic to our sites and really start to think about what is the right traffic. And the right traffic is the people who are going to come back to your site. They're going to want to invest in your journey as a blogger, your story, and really start to become that loyal reader that eventually down the road might buy a digital product or might share your blog with their friends. Not all of your readers are going to be that type, but you want those cheerleaders in your court who are going to be excited about your new content, and you can't build those if you are never really painting the picture about what your site is all about. So going back to the idea of making it easy to see your related posts, I always recommend doing this in a couple of different styles. So if you can highlight images of your recipes, we know that our readers are very visual and they like to see what to expect. So if you can have the images with the post titles below them, this is going to help the reader to get enticed and want to click over and make that recipe. You also can use text links. Different styles will break up your blog post in different ways and will attract different people to different sections. Now, you don't necessarily have to have it be the exact same set of four posts that you have images for and then just a list. In fact, I wouldn't recommend duplicating that information, but if you can have a couple of different sections, maybe throughout your post and then have one right above your recipe card, maybe you do text links right above your recipe card and the images right below. However you want to structure this, this is a really great way to get people to be interested in clicking around more. You can also use different styles like different colors or font sizes or background colors in order to highlight this content. Now, if you're not familiar, Gutenberg is the WordPress editor that makes this super easy to do. Now, I have an entire course all about Gutenberg, so if you're interested in learning how to make your content stand out more and how to streamline your blog post process, you can check that out over at graceandvinestudios.com simplify, and you can sign up for the course right there. I teach you all about how to create these different sections of content and how to make them stand out so your readers will want to click those links. Now, I recommend 
doing this process of linking to your related posts manually. The reason for that is even some of the best related post blog posts out there are not going to have the knowledge that you have about your reader. The entire conversation we had earlier in the episode about getting in the head of your reader, an algorithm cannot do that. And specifically the related post plugins that are out there tend to use contextual information from your post. So there's often information that is not quite right and is causing them to link to other posts. And so I think that you can do this manually. Yes, it will take a few more minutes of your time, but it's going to make those references so much stronger for your reader. And that is going to make them so much more interested in clicking into your recipes. So the last part of this conversation about increasing pages per visit is that you really want to make sure that the structure of your website is set up properly. That probably sounds like a really scary thing to just drop on you, but I have a few examples of how you should really think about this and making sure that these few things are set up correctly on your site. The first is I would really recommend utilizing breadcrumbs within your blog post. So breadcrumbs are the thing that you see at the very top of most websites where it kind of shows you the natural path of how you got to that blog post. Even if the person comes over from Google, it will help them to understand the hierarchy of your website. And also this really helps Google to understand the hierarchy of your website as well. So for example, if I'm on a website and I'm looking at a chicken pot pie recipe, I might see that in the breadcrumbs it says home, easy chicken recipes, chicken pot pie. Now, not only does that help me to understand the context of the recipe and how it fits into the overall structure of your blog, but it also gives me somewhere to click. So maybe I decide that chicken pot pie sounds great, but I'm not gonna make that tonight, but I do wanna make chicken tonight. I can click over to that easy chicken recipes category and I can browse more content that might be a better fit for me today. Or maybe I make the chicken pot pie recipe and then tomorrow I wanna come back and see what other content you have because I loved that recipe so much. Either way, the breadcrumbs are a really easy and natural way for me to see this. And this is something that most Genesis-based themes are going to have the option for. Or if you are using the Yoast SEO plugin, you can also utilize that function within Yoast SEO. So I mentioned this within the breadcrumbs, but if you are not using breadcrumbs or if you are, you can also make it really easy for your categories to be clicked into. This is often something that you'll see at the very bottom of a blog post where it will list out the categories. And I'm going to do an episode pretty shortly all about categories. So we'll get more into that conversation. But again, in the example I just described, having someone be able to click back to the category and see more content that it fits within that category is a really helpful way for people to find more recipes that they want to see from you. And my last tip for making sure your structure of your website is set up properly is that you are promoting your recipe index. Now, if you have no idea what a recipe index is, or you're not sure if you have yours set up correctly, I would head back to episode 30 to learn more about your recipe index. I say set up correctly, but there are many, many ways that you can set up a recipe index. And again, when you go back to thinking about getting in the head of your reader, you'll be able to better figure out what is the best recipe index style for your reader and for your blog. But if you don't have that set up, definitely go back to that episode to learn more. If you do have a recipe index set up, then make sure that you are promoting it. So this should be something that you are really showcasing within your blog post, on your sidebar, in your navigation. And I talk about all of those things in episode 30 as well, but this is really important to make sure that this is a part of your website that you are showing people. This is an amazing resource for them to find the recipes that they are looking for. And so often I see food bloggers creating a recipe index and never talking about it. So this is a really important piece of that puzzle. 
So in this episode, we talked about a few different ways that you can increase the pages per visit. And really, it starts with getting into the head of your reader and understanding why they were coming to your blog in the first place. Then you need to make sure that it is easy to see related posts or links to other blog posts that you are promoting. And you can use Gutenberg for that, or you can just make sure that you are styling them differently in some way so it's easy for people to see it. And lastly, you're going to make sure that the structure of your website is set up properly with breadcrumbs, categories that are easy to click into, and promoting your recipe index. As always, if you guys have questions about this topic, you can reach out to me over on Instagram or you can always email me and my team will make sure that I see it as well. And I'm also really excited to share that I am going to try out doing a different type of episode coming up in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to try out doing an Ask Me Anything style of episode where I answer questions that you guys submit. And these can be questions about anything related to food blogging, running a business, family life, all of that kind of stuff. I plan to keep this much more business than personal, but I'm happy to answer personal questions as well if those come up. But if you have been really wondering about something in the food blogger space, I would love to hear your question and answer it the best that I can. And if not, I will point you to a resource that can as well. So I'm going to have a form that you can fill out to submit your questions, to have them answered on the air, and I'll have that over at thevinepodcast.com or you can click the podcast tab over on the main website and submit your question there. I'm excited to see how this type of episode goes and I think it'll be just kind of a different break for me to be able to still answer questions and get some valuable content out to you guys, but won't take as much preparation as some of our other podcast episodes do. So again, head over to thevinepodcast.com and leave your question there. I'm really curious to see what types of questions you guys want me to cover, and they may even inspire a future podcast episode. That is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I would love to see you guys sharing this episode and just celebrating the return of the Vine podcast over on Instagram. You can find me there at Grace and Vine. And until next time, friends, talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.